Welcome, everybody, to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast for, man, we are wrapping up week one of college Bowl. It is Labor Day today, and there is a game happening literally right now. I have been literally engorged in college football this weekend. I can't handle any more of it, and yet I want more of it, which describes my whole personality and the reason that I'm as large as I am. The, so <laughs> the question is, have you recovered from this weekend? Um well we we did win, so therefore I'm okay. Um I did have some heart palpitations, uh a couple of close calls on a few aneurysms. Um I smelled some burning toast every now and then. <laughs> but but we made you were it having through. a stroke? Does the left side of your body work? I'm not sure. <laughs> all I know is we are still ranked <laughs> in the top five. So it's a good day. Absolutely, as you should be. <clears throat> but LCU because we're heading into got a comment already, Mark Weyer. Yeah. My daddy O on Facebook here. LSU versus Florida State was disappointing. Mistakes all over by both teams. We're gonna I talk about LSU disagree. and Florida State. That was I actually my that game of the week for this game. It was not disappointing. Yes, there were mistakes. That's what makes college football so fun. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the best part about that game later. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Don't you worry about that. But we are going to change the way we've structured our show a little bit because one thing we've realized: we keep going back and forth. NFL, college, NFL, college, NFL, college. Well, why not just talk about the NFL all at once? Talk about college football all at once. So we're going to try that out today. Uh, if you don't like it, I guess let us know. We have all the social media links in the description of the podcast. If you're listening to us live, just throw a comment down. Uh, we're going to try this out. So let's start off with some NFL news. Then we'll get to our NFL 2022 season predictions before we get into any college football stuff. Let's I try like this it. out and uh, hand it off to Tug. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Honestly, it's been a relatively slow week across the board for NFL news. That's kind of what we expect. All the all the roster cuts were last week, um, and now we're just gearing up for, for week one. Nothing new over the weekend. That being said, uh, good news for Los Angeles Rams fans out there. Uh, Matt Stafford's elbow injury is not going to prevent him from playing this season. That being said, they are expecting it to linger uh, this can have some some negative effects throughout the season. Is it going to uh, reduce his efficiency out there? What What are you guys thinking? I I love that he's gonna be able to play through it, but man, I don't like that it's gonna be a lingering injury all season. Yeah, it'll be fine. This, yeah, this was something that was going back in the last season. Um, so this is this is not a new thing for Matt Stafford. It does suck that it's still gonna be. Some that he's dealing with, I guess, is the best way to put it. But in the grand scheme of things, this is not uh, this is not an issue for him or for the Rams. I guess I was curious why he was why the injury was even listed uh, for a while because it just like I said hasn't has not been an issue. So uh, yeah, he'll be, he'll be fine. Rams will be fine. Other new good news on the injury front uh, this time coming out in New Orleans. Uh, Trevor Penning, the rookie tackle, um, his injury is not as bad as originally feared. It looks like he's going to be able to get playing time 
uh, albeit not until early November. Uh, so he's still going to miss a good chunk of the season. But, hey, at least he's going to get out there. And, and, Doug, I know you've been high on him coming out of college. Uh, how big is this for, for New Orleans? One of our big FCS draft crushes coming out of northern Iowa. Yeah, I love Trevor Penning. He's he's awesome. And with everything that New Orleans is going through, having a solid offensive line is going to help that team a lot. So hopefully Trevor Penning can stay out there, stay healthy, and stay productive. That's fair. All right, all the Cowboys fans out there, I get it. You're dem boys. It's your year. Um, all the things we hear every every year. So you guys just went out. Cowboys just went out and signed uh, Eagles legend Jason Peters at left tackle. Uh, granted, my dude is 40 years old, uh, but there have been some injury concerns on that Dallas offensive line. They needed a quick fix. I think this is going to be it. It's going to help them out in the long run. Uh, it's just, the, again, the question is, how much more does he have left in that tank? Yeah, I think it's more of a band-aid fix, and it's a big middle finger to the Eagles, which is right. honest. I just saw I saw memes about Jason Peters leaving the Eagles. I didn't know where he went. I just knew that he apparently wasn't with the Eagles anymore. In the grand scheme of things, this will help the Cowboys out this season, but this line yeah. is aging, and they just added somebody much much older to this offensive line. They've got to start. Fig- they've got to start drafting there and they need to make a decision on what they want to do at running back because Ezekiel Elliott's trade value is going down. And for that matter, so does Tony Pollard's the longer he's been in the league not doing too yep. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just watching the punt fest over here. Clemson, Georgia Tech. Sorry. I thought this isn't a Big Ten game. What the hell? What? Okay. I mean... ACC can have some punt fests, too. It happens. You guys are killing me. All right, some news out of Chicago. Uh, There will be changes to their front office next season. Uh, Their long time, I say long time, he's been there for about his 23rd or 24th season as president and CEO uh, of the Chicago Bears. Ted Phillips will be retiring. Uh, Unfortunately, that is not the McCaskies. Fortunately, it's not the McCaskies selling the team. But, hey, there's a change coming on, on high that, that honestly can't hurt you guys in the long, long run, I don't think. There is – it's a heated debate <clears throat> among Bears fans because nobody wants to talk bad about the old lady. Like, nobody wants to talk bad about Virginia Hallis McCaskey, and I understand that. I don't want to talk bad about her. I'll talk bad about her idiot son, and I'll talk bad about Ted Phillips. The, the debate becomes, is Ted Phillips more the issue or is George McCaskey more the issue? And a lot of people want to say that it's the two of them together, uh, but a lot more blame, I think, belongs to Ted Phillips than it does to George McCaskey. Although, like I said, he's an idiot. So, Well, uh, n- now you're going to get that answer. Yeah, uh, this it will absolutely be clear as day if this was more of a Ted Phillips issue or more of a George McCaskey issue. So we'll see. And it'll be, it's going to be a long season either way. Uh, I think it's going to be even longer that the light is going to be just kind of teased at the end of the tunnel here for us. Bears fans out there. Well, what's most surprising to me about this story is seeing just how long Ted Phillips has been with the team. You know, he started five. He started with the Chicago bears in 1785. That is insane.
<laughs> He's almost as old as Bernie White. God, there it is. Oh, All right, man. I'm gonna move us on before Ben starts removing <laughs> either of us from the from the stream, and he takes it on his own. Um, I mean, I guess kind of related to the Bears, um, because they will forever be stained with this draft pick. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is starting again. Uh, he is been or he has been named the starting quarterback and a captain for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, according to reports today, uh, he came in as the number one and never relinquished the job. So the Steelers are rolling with their man. Their man is going to be Mitch Trubisky. My question for you guys is how long before they get antsy and they throw Kenny Pickett in at some point in the season, or does that even happen this season? I don't know. I mean, we're talking about a, a Mitch Trubisky who's now spent a year in Buffalo working with that offensive staff, uh, who's obviously very good at developing quarterbacks, see Josh Allen. He's also an MVP, so, I mean, he's not a bad quarterback in his own right. Uh, <coughs> Damn it. Uh, we'll so, see. We'll see. We'll see. Obviously, we'll the fan uproar is going to be to get Kenny Pickett out there as soon as possible. But it's probably not in his best interest to get out there as soon as possible. Uh, if they so could hold on the whole season, that'd be yeah. ideal. I think it probably will be the whole season. Week 8 is against the Eagles, and they go into the bye week 9, come back week 10 against the Saints. If there's going to be a change, I would predict. I would predict that's when it's going to be. Well, and then even then, only if they're out of playoff contention. Exactly. And yep. there's a lot of moving pieces in the AFC North. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about how we think the season is going to shake out for that division. I had three teams from that division going to the playoffs initially. Uh, I've worked it down to two, and I honestly was thinking maybe it's just going to be one. However, this – I don't know division. what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of potential. There's just a lot of question marks, and the Steelers are one of those teams with a lot of question marks. I've got friends that are Steelers fans that are saying, well – he can't be worse than Big Ben was last year, and I kind of have to agree with him to a, to a degree. On the other hand, I have my aunt who is a, a big Steelers fan who was in tears over the fact that she's now going to have to watch Mr. Trubisky on her other team because this is just – she can't get away from the guy. <laughs> hey, it, sometimes, man, it's just the story that keeps haunting you. Oh, man. I just – The only thing that could make the Steelers better at this point is if they bring in Matt Nagy. I, I don't know if that's likely to happen. We we do still have audio listeners. They're not going to pick up on the sarcasm there, man. Uh, audio they, will. <laughs> I said that too straight face for the video. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Our final news story today. Uh, this is coming out of Houston. A uh, little, little feel-good story here. Uh, the Texans uh, took a surprise trip down to Uvalde, uh, and they presented the high school team with brand-new uniforms. Uh, like I said, it's just a good community outreach for a community that's definitely seen some traumatic events here in the past year. And 
I mean, I don't know. I like this story. I like what it means. And let's be honest, the Texans probably need help finding fans right now. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Here, we'll uh, let's do this real quick. Let's get a little visual here for our uh, for our viewers trying to see which tab it is real quick. There we go. So this is just a quick uh, Google search. Uniforms look just kind of, they look new, but nothing uh, super crazy about them. Uh, this article does mention new uniforms equipment. Obviously, these look like a new pair of cleats here. Uh, so big props to the Texans for doing this. This is awesome. School went through a massive tragedy. Uh, I know uh, Anthony Rizzo of the now New York Yankees, but of the Cubs at the time uh, when that shooting in Florida happened a couple of years ago, he went and donated a bunch of uh, a bunch of gear and equipment uh, to their high school as well. Uh, most more around the baseball department than or baseball team than anything else. But this is absolutely awesome. I, yeah, I, I do. Too. I was going to say, I okay. do genuinely enjoy events like this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate guys, but I do. It's, it's wild. You guys well, you were crazy. You, 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 you and I have this uncanny ability to just try and talk over each other all of the time. Well, yeah, and now we're married, so it's going to continue for the rest of our lives, so... I mean, I never said that I do, but... Yeah, you, you did. Know. I can totally clip that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Since Bug is our efficient, it's it's official now. Uh, anyway, <laughs> do we have any Let's... other news, or do we want to hop into the predictions for this was... upcoming season? I was going to pass it over to you for predictions. Okay, so... Uh... Just as we did with the college football season, we want to go ahead and lay out our expectations for this upcoming NFL season as far as awards and playoffs are concerned. So we've already kind of gone through each division, laid out who we think is going to win the division, laid out our wildcard picks in each of those episodes. But it'd be nice to have them all in one place. So before we get to the playoffs, I think we ought to start with the awards. We're going to be throwing out our candidates for who we think could be up there for MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive and Defensive Rookies of the Year, and then a Coach of the Year as well. So let's get started here. Uh, Bug, why don't you take us away? Yeah, so for my MVP, I'm going to go with a guy that frankly should have won MVP last year anyway. Because it's never going to go to Cooper Cup, the guy who really should have won, right? But I think it's going to go to Tom Brady. I understand. We had this conversation that the whole reason it didn't go to Brady was because he was on his way out. He was retiring. Look, I think they're going to say, you know what? Fuck it. We'll just send the big man out on top. He had an amazing season last year. Very deserving of the award last year. It went to Aaron Rodgers. That's a different discussion entirely. But I think Tom Brady takes it this year. For Offensive Player of the Year, I'm going to give it to Derrick Henry. Of course, had the Liz Frank injury last year and missed a majority of the season because of it. I think he was able to come back from the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. He looked all right. He looked all right, and he's now had an entire offseason to rehab. I expect him to come back just as dominant as before, and I would love nothing more than to see this Offensive Player of the Year award go to a running back. 
the reason I don't have Matt Stafford or Cooper Cup listed for either of these awards, that receiving core in Los Angeles, while it's still great, it's definitely hurting with some of the moves that had to be made during the offseason. And, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. getting hurt in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to rule either either of those guys out. Spoiler alert, none of, this, none of us have them on this list at all. But I do want to mention them here because I do think they are worthy candidates for both of these uh, awards. And we'll just see how it shakes out at the end of the year. Defensive player of the year, I've got TJ Watt. Again, this is a guy that deserves it. He's been in the conversations before, just for whatever reason has gotten edged out. I think he finally won it last year, though. Am I right? He yeah, should have he reset the sack record. Yep. He finally won it last year. I expect a repeat performance because he seems like the type of guy that getting there will just make him hungrier to do better in the future. Offensive rookie of the year, I've got Sky Moore, wide receiver for the Chiefs. Somebody's got to fill that role left by Tyreek Hill, and I don't know that he's going to be able to be the deep threat that Tyreek Hill was. But I think he's going to be a number one target type of guy here very, very soon. Next up, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Kayvon Thibodeau, outside linebacker for the New York Football Giants. I know he's nursing a little bit of an injury here, but he had an amazing season in college last year, had a lot of high expectations. I think he's going to do an amazing job this year as well. All right. We had an interruption before you get to coach of the year, but that's all right. Um, I guess we'll hit coach of the year altogether last. I do want to go ahead and jump in and start with my MVP. I'm going to say Lamar Jackson wins it, and this would be his second MVP, which would be insane. This would involve a lot of yards to the tight end, Mark Andrews, and a lot of rushing yards. Uh, (laughs) But at the same time, if I have Baltimore winning a lot of games, it's all going to be on the back of Lamar Jackson. I'm going to say he puts it together and ends up getting a Patrick Holmes style deal, maybe another 10 year contract out to a younger back here. Um, this is a contract year for Lamar Jackson, so maybe he maybe he turns on the Jets. I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson for Offensive Player of the Year. We saw a receiver win it last year, and we could very well see a receiver win it again this year. It's going to be difficult because you're going to be held to the standard of setting records like Cooper Cup did. But I think with a great season, uh, that might not matter. Justin Jefferson, if he pushes for 2,000 yards, should be on this list. And I, I think he's uh, talented enough to push for that. And Kirk Cousins throws for a ton of yards without ever getting any love, so it would make total sense. <laughs> Uh, defensive player of the year, I'm going to say Aaron Donald. It's just because he's amazing and he's back for another season because he wants to win another championship. And if he's saying that he wants to win another championship, I know he's going to put in a lot of effort into this season. And that scares me. So <laughs> just going to bow down to his highness Aaron Donald and hand him the award right now so he doesn't eat me. And <laughs> let's move on. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. I have a lot of expectations for the Jets' offense, which sounds insane, but I think it's fair. They have a couple of running backs now. Their line is sketchy, but decent enough in some places. 
that we could see a lot of yards out of this offense. And the defense is bad enough that it's going to take a lot of a lot of high-scoring games. I'm going to say Garrett Wilson is not getting enough love here as a fantasy target, as a offensive rookie of the year pick from anybody. Garrett Wilson is amazing. Uh, I had him as the best person in the class by far. And he's one of the New York football jets. I'm taking him as my offensive rookie of the year. Uh, defensive rookie of the year, I'm going to take Cam Taylor Britt, corner out of Nebraska, head to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, this seems like a weird pick. Why would you take a mid-round corner? Most of those guys don't get a lot of love for this award. I'm going to say if he finishes with five-plus interceptions, he's a lock for this award because there's going to be so much awareness of that defensive back group for the Bengals. If they actually have somebody perform and it's a rookie, he's going to get overloved this season. Not that it wouldn't be a great season in its own right, but if Cam Taylor Britt puts together like a good season, he's going to get praised like nobody's business. I think that's like a narrative possibility, and yet also like Cam Taylor Britt's really good. We could see him go off. All right, I'm going to take over here for MVP. Doug, you've been singing the truther about this quarterback for couple of years now so i'm i'm gonna stick with the That's role here the draft uh, i'm gonna take your uh, uh yeah i'm gonna take your advice here i'm gonna take justin herbert i think this is the year that honestly the Chargers as a whole can put everything together uh this team is loaded uh on both sides of the ball at this point so i'm really liking what they're bringing to the table and that's only going to help justin herbert uh excel even more uh, for Offensive Player of the Year, I'm looking at Nick Chubb running back for the Browns. The uh, reason I'm looking this way is we brought it up. Derrick Henry is going to be pushing 2,000 yards if he can stay healthy. I think Nick Chubb is in that same vein. Um, if Nick Chubb can stay healthy, he's going to get more carries this year. There's issues with Kareem Hunt. Uh, there's talks of potential trades going on. Uh, so clearing out Kareem Hunt's only going to increase the touches that Nick Chubb gets, especially with Deshaun Watson out for the first tw- uh, effectively 12 weeks. He's playing their 12th game. Um, so that's that's going to be massive to have, to rely on Nick Chubb at least for the first three quarters of the season. Uh, defensive play of the year, I'm looking at Khalil Mack. Uh, he's listed as an outside linebacker. I put him down as an edge, uh, newly acquired by the Los Angeles Chargers. I think a new system is going to help him here. And again, that defense is loaded all over the place. So you've got Khalil Mack coming off one side and Joey Bosa coming off the other. Pick one. Um, and I think Mack's going to make the most of that opportunity there. Mack typically is healthier than than Joey Bosa. Um, so I'm going I'm to lean to Mack on this to pull in Defensive Player of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm going to go with the, the Dark Horse. Uh, the only one that's been named a true number one starter. Uh, for his team, I'm going with Damon Pierce, the running back for Houston. Uh, again, much in the same vein that I see Nick Chubb. If Houston's going to move this ball efficiently and effectively downfield, it's going to be on the back of their running backs. Davis Mills is an okay game manager, but that's that's what you're getting. So I think Damon Pierce, although the team's not going to be that good, his when he shines, it's going to shine well for that whole team. So I'm looking at Damon Pierce for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year, I'm kind of looking the same way that you are, Doug. I'm going to the AFC North. I'm going for a defensive back, but I'm looking at Kyle Hamilton. 
uh, rangy center fielder out there, uh, free safety. You're talking five picks for for Cam Taylor Britt. That is 100% within, honestly, the realm of poss- not just the realm of possibilities, but expectations for Kyle Hamilton uh, with the way that Ravens defense is going to play. Uh, they like to run a lot of uh, man coverage with one or two zones over the top, and he's going to feast in that. Uh, so I'm looking at Kyle Hamilton uh, for the Ravens. I guess that takes us all the way back to our uh, to our original thing here, which I had to kind of cut off. Sorry about that, guys. <clears throat> Coach of the year. I'm actually going to the NFC North. I'm going with Dan Campbell. Obviously, coach of the Detroit Lions. I have said the Lions were probably still finishing last in the division. I still think they will, but I also believe that they're going to have some massive improvements. I don't think the Bears are going to be as bad as everybody thinks they are. And I think people are really – I don't think anybody really understands what's going on in this division because there's a lot of things in flux across the division. And part of that is the Lions are finally coming up. Dan Campbell is getting things together, and they finally got a lot of pieces in order. I think they're going to have a very good season. I'm going with Dan Campbell before I say anything too crazy. I mean, that's crazy in itself. I don't see a last place in his division win coach of the year. I could see them not getting last. I could see them doing very well this season. I will also say, though, my original pick for defense rookie of the year was Aiden Hutchinson, and then I remember what, where he went to school, and I refused. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. So my coach of the year is going to be Nick Sirianni for the Eagles. Uh, I just think the Eagles are going to win this division. And from being a team that nobody expected anything out of to winning the division, he's going to get over-loved. <laughs> for that, uh, everyone kind of expects a few of these teams to be really good. Yeah, they're probably, probably going to be good again. You're going to look for the surprise story. I guess that's going to be Nick Sirianni here for me. For me, I already kind of set it up top with Justin Herbert. I'm looking at Brandon Staley here because, again, I think this is the year that the Chargers break out. Um, again, you're looking at third place in their division last year. Uh, into what I, I have them as the two seed. I'll, I'll go and spoil a little bit, but I've got them the two seed out of the AFC. Um, so for me, you actually that, have MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year. I'll go to the Chargers. Yep. I mean, if, if you don't I'm, have the win in the Super Bowl, right? Uh, let's, well, let's I, let's keep going, let's going and find out. out. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we go ahead? Uh, go ahead, Tug, and tell us your playoff bracket. All right, so number one seed, I do have the Bills. I think they they honestly have an easier road to the playoffs than the Chargers do, so I've got the Bills coming in number one. Uh, I've got the Chargers coming in number two. Uh, Number three, I have Titans winning the AFC South. Number four, I have the Ravens winning the AFC North. All that being said, my wild cards, first wild cards, Kansas City at number five. Uh, This is going to be a situation where Kansas City is going to have a better record than uh, the Ravens, uh, or even the Titans, uh, Kansas city is going to be a high, a high, um, wild card. Number six, I have the Broncos. 
And then number seven, I do have the, the Dolphins coming in at number seven, squeaking into the playoffs. Uh, I do think that with the defense being largely the same, the changes were that they're making on offense should be enough to carry them. In those first-round matchups, I have the Chargers beating the Dolphins. I have the Titans beating the Broncos. And I have the Chiefs beating the Ravens. Uh, moving on to my second round, I have the Bills getting revenge on the Chiefs. And I have the Chargers beating the Titans. And I will have the Chargers winning the AFC uh, this year. Coming out of the NFC, I have Green Bay number one. Tampa winning the South being number two. The Rams coming in as the three seed. And the Cowboys, I do have squeaking out the AFC East, or the NFC East at number four. For wild cards, I've got the Niners at number five, Eagles at six, and the Vikings at seven. Guys, I'm not betting against Tom Brady in that first matchup. The Bucks are beating the Vikings in, in the playoffs. Uh, my second matchup, I do have the Eagles upsetting the Rams, and I have the Niners upsetting the Cowboys. That gives me Phil. <laughs> that gives me uh, Philly versus Green Bay. To which Ben, you'll be happy with this. I have Philly taking this in Green Bay, uh, and then I've got the Niners over the Buccaneers, and I've got the Buccaneers facing the Chargers for an All California Super Bowl. Super Bowl, and yes, in that matchup, I'm taking the Chargers. It's kind of wild to me not gonna lie you have a wild card team all the way and you have a team that probably you know a lot of people would be expecting to be a wild card team and the chargers also going all the way uh what has what do you have with uh like you obviously you have the chargers win that division what do you think the record's going to be for the chargers what do you think the record's going to be for the chiefs regular season I'm honestly having both at about that 12 and 5, 11 and 6 range. It's going to be a one game separation or it's going to come down to tiebreakers. They're going to be almost identical the entire season. I just, here's my thing I don't know what to expect out of Kansas City's offense. Yes, you have Patty Mahomes, fantastic. You have a great quarterback. You're looking at, I think it's 30% of his targets have now left Kansas City. Right, so there's a big gap there, and I don't necessarily like who they who they replaced him with. I'm not a huge fan of Juju. I'm not a huge fan of uh, MVS. Um, I and Ben, I think you're right. I I loved your pick for Sky Moore for Offensive Rookie of the Year because I think that's exactly the role that they're going to try and have him fill is that is that deep threat or that speed guy that I get him the ball underneath in space and I let him run. I just I don't quite know what they're going to bring, and that's enough to give me pause. Yeah, I've seen some crazy shit, like people saying the Chiefs are going to finish below 500, and I think there's yeah, reason for concern with the Chiefs. Yeah, that is absolutely not going to happen. I definitely, I'm with you. I could see them being a wild card team. I think there's still enough there on both sides of the ball, even with the losses that they've taken, that they still are going to be competing for a division, uh, division championship here, which you've already alluded to. This is going to be a very close race in the AFC West. But with that being said, I, I have no no complaints with your predictions here. I'm definitely not going to lay ambassador for anything. 
Well, I guess this Chiefs discussion is a good segue into my bracket for the NFL playoffs. Because I actually have the Chiefs as number one seed of the AFC. <laughs> um, and the Chargers as the five seed, so they are the top wild card. Kind of the same situation, but I think the Chiefs are just more experienced in this kind of... Uh, they've been there before. And I don't know anybody on the Chargers who has been there before with this. You know, it's that matters when it comes to down the stretch in the NFL, getting ready for the playoffs, and in the playoffs it matters too. So if we look at the AFC side, uh, yeah, the Chiefs the one seed, which might be surprising to a lot of people who are expecting the Bills to be up there. Um, I just think the Chiefs are too talented all around. They still have great lines on both sides of the ball, um, especially helped with the draft. And I think I think they're going to be a really good team still. I have the Ravens coming in as the two seed, winning the AFC North, and the only playoff team out of the AFC North. Uh, with Lamar Jackson as my MVP pick, I had to put him pretty high. But I do think they will win their first-round matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders, who come in as the seventh seed. And then the Bills win the AFC East, have to play the Denver Broncos in the first round as the sixth seed. I do have the Bills winning that for sure. Uh, and the Titans win their division and play the fourth AFC West team in this playoffs, the Chargers. Uh, yeah, the entire AFC West making the playoffs. Only two of them making out of the first round, technically, with the Chargers and the Chiefs having the bye. Uh, and then the Chargers have to play the Chiefs in the next round. We're down to one AFC West team after all four of them made it. And to say the Chargers move on, uh, the Bills and the Ravens, I would take the Bills in that matchup even though I do think the Ravens are going to be very good this year. Um, last year, I, I chalk a lot of that up to injuries. There were a lot of injuries on multiple levels of the defense. I think the Ravens are going to be a lot better this year than people, some people are giving them credit for. Uh, so that does give us an AFC championship, though, of the Chargers and the Bills. I'm going to take the Bills. Again, I think it's a situation some of these guys have been deep in the playoffs before, and the Chargers really haven't. So. We're getting some experience here. Uh, I like I like the talent on the Bills quite a bit. And the reason I have them as the three seed then, which is would be a fair question, I think the schedule is really tough this year for the Bills. And I could see them pulling out 11 wins, which even at 11 wins, that might only be good enough for a three seed. Uh, in the NFC side of things, I'm going to say with Tom Brady eventually being on his last season here, I think for real this time, uh, we're going to see some storyline. No, BS. really, guys. And I think uh, <laughs> the Buccaneers are going to be helped a lot. Um, but I really do think that's a good team. They're bringing back so many pieces. They're talented everywhere. Uh, Todd Bowles is set up to succeed here. And I think for multiple storyline reasons uh, and also talent reasons, the Buccaneers can be the one seed here. Uh, the Rams are still freaky good. They actually probably got better this season than they were last year. I'm going to have them as my two seed, though, winning the NFC West. Uh, Packers do win the NFC North for me, but I have them all the way down to the three seed. They just lost too many weapons, and that defense isn't as good as it was. 
I don't see too many contenders out of the NFC North necessarily. Like uh, nobody's going to really push them for the division. I don't think yet, but I do have the Vikings making the playoffs there as the number one wildcard team. Uh, but the other division winner, I do, like I said before, I have the Eagles winning the division. Um, and they will be playing the Vikings in that first-round matchup. I have the Eagles winning that one, though. Uh, Green Bay, as the three seed, will be playing the Arizona Cardinals as the six seed. Uh, again, three teams in the same division. NFC West and AFC West are just loaded. So the Cardinals lose to the Packers, though, in the first round. And uh, the Rams beat the 49ers in the first round, which sets up Rams, Packers, great matchups the past couple of years from those teams. I'm going to take the Rams in L.A. Then we have the Eagles going out to Tampa. And I'm going to take the Buccaneers to not only win that one, but to beat the Rams as well. Um, yeah, this is going to be a Buccaneers-Bills Super Bowl for me. Uh, probably taking the Buccaneers in this one. You have um, the Buck or the Bills going over five all time in the Super Bowl, and I love it. Yep, I sure do. And I have Tom Brady winning his eighth ring, and probably losing his wedding ring because he wants to come back for more. <laughs> oh, God. oh no! Move on to my predictions here. One thing you guys did that would be amazing. It would be the first time in several years. Doug, get on this while I'm going through this. When was the last time a defending Super Bowl champ, or defending, not defending Super Bowl champ, the last time a team that went to the Super Bowl didn't make the playoffs? I want you to go look that up for me. Uh, I think very recently, actually. I don't think the Bengals Shit. Are, would be in too bad a company. That and... You're also you're saying Super Bowl winner or Super Bowl participant? Just go to the Super Bowl participant. Probably would be the Eagles and the Falcons. I mean, Falcons and pretty sure Falcons. both of those qualify. Let's yeah, let's do this. Go look at the most recent ones. I've got the Bills, the number one team in the AFC this year. They've got everything in order and I'm not going to say that they might have gone to the Super Bowl if it weren't for a coin flip because they could have stopped them um no that's that's absurd why would you expect a defense to do that yeah it's crazy it's almost like there's you know not you know there's defenses on each team I think they're going to address a lot of the, any concerns that they might have found on that defense and they're going to come in solid on both sides of the ball even more so than last year Number two seed, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs winning their division. I also have the Ravens as the AFC North champions, and I've got the Colts, a little different from you guys, as the AFC South champions. In the wild card spots, I've got the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Bengals, the representative for the AFC last year, uh, filling in that last spot. I looked back and I realized that I had three teams from the AFC North and three teams from the AFC West. Problem was, one of the teams that I had in there was the Browns, so it was very easy to just flop them off and say, all right, yeah, it's going to be going to be the Bengals that are going instead. With that, though, uh, Kansas City is going to get their revenge against the Bengals. They're going to move on to the next round, followed by the Chargers. 
you know, the Ravens might have been able to get the monkey off their back last year. They're not going to do it again this year. The Chargers are finally going to prove that they belong and start getting into some winning habits there. And then the Colts Raiders, man, the Raiders got a pretty lucky draw. I don't see a lot coming from the AFC South. And I always underestimate the Colts. I literally do it every year. So the fact that I even have them winning the division and going to the playoffs is a huge step forward for me. Uh, but I don't <laughs> see them going far in the playoffs. And they will probably burn me again because of that. Then you look at, uh, we got Chargers-Bills matchup here. The Bills, they're, they're going to win this one. The Chargers are going to put up a good fight. But again, the Bills have more experience. The Chargers are still getting in. I'm a big guy in getting into the winning habit and winning ways in an organization. The Bills have found that more recently than the Chargers. The Chargers are still figuring it out. They're getting a taste of that Buffalo winter. It's, it's, it's Bills' advantage all the way. Uh, and then as far as Chiefs Raiders, forget everything I said about experience, and we're going, let's just have some fun and see a Raiders-Bills AFC championship game as much as I would love to see Bill's Chiefs again the revenge game I almost would rather see Bill's Raiders because the two most insane fan bases in all of football deserve to be on a stage like this with that being said that home field advantage is going to be too much for the Raiders to overcome and I got the Bills going to the Super Bowl on the NFC side of things, I do have the Rams as the number one seed. It's going to be very hotly contested in the AFC West as they are also sending the uh, Arizona Cardinals and San Francisco 49ers. Now, the 49ers are going to be the last team in, and they're going to have the unfortunate duty of facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Minnesota Vikings are going to win the a NFC North and face the Green Bay Packers. And then last but not least, the Philadelphia Eagles – they, they got it kind of rough. They're going to have to face the other birds. They're going to have to face the Cardinals. But I think they're going to be able to pull this one out. Again, there's a lot of things about this team that I think are going to surprise people. Just like you've said, Doug, I've got the Eagles winning a close one in Philly. They're not going to survive in L.A., and I'll get there in a minute. Don't worry. Uh, Tom Brady, he's going to be tough to stop. I don't want to pick against him in the first round. I really don't want to pick against him in the NFC Championship, but as you can see by the graphic here, I do. Audio listen listeners, I'll, t I'll fill you into what's going on here later. They're going to beat the San Francisco 49ers in the first round of the playoffs, though, and they'll advance to play the Minnesota Vikings, who will win at home in the Dome against the Packers, and it's disgusting. I even put the Packers in a playoff spot, but let's be real. It'd be foolish of me to do Going back to L.A. against the Eagles, they're going to win, go to the a NFC Championship against the Buccaneers, who will beat the Vikings down in Tampa Bay. And L.A. doesn't lose in L.A. in the playoffs. They're going to the Super Bowl. Sorry, Tom Brady. I'm sure that one will bite me in the ass, too. I've got Bills, Rams, and I think the O.J. curse is finally going to be broken. I think this is the year we will see the Buffalo Bills finally hoist the Lombardi Trophy. And I will jump through a table, a folding table, if the Buffalo Bills actually win the Super Bowl. And you will it'll be recorded. Everybody will get to enjoy it. That's you heard it here amazing. first. That's amazing. I want that to happen now. Uh, to answer your question from before, the playoff, or Super Bowl participant to not make the playoffs the next season would have been the 2019 to 2020 season where we had the San Francisco 49ers Winning the NFC West, making it all the way to the Super Bowl. They lost the Kansas City Chiefs 
the next year they did not make the playoffs. Instead, uh, the Seattle Seahawks won the NFC West. The Buccaneers, Rams, and Chicago Bears were the wild card teams that season. That's crazy. I just I don't see it, man. I don't. See I just it. not the way not the way the Buccaneers went through the playoffs or went into the playoffs. The Bengals, Bengals went to the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's my thing, even with that though, Ben. Have we gotten an update on Joe Burrow yet? Um, I have no clue. I think he's fine. I mean, I don't know what you're asking. I guess. So he he had appendicitis, like he had an appendectomy. Oh, yeah. I don't know. He didn't play uh, any maybe. of the preseason. I know he was behind what they planned for the schedule. I just don't know what what that's looking like. He was chilling the sidelines for Ohio State Notre Dame, so I guess he's fine. What's that say when he chose that over LSU, Florida State? Right? Suck it, Bayou. Hey, suck it, nerds. I'm not too concerned. Week one is against the Steelers, and week two is against the Cowboys. Week three is against the Jets. That's three and zero with Brandon Allen starting. Let's go, baby! Yeah, really, <laughs> and the chance to just keep him in and not start Joe Burrow will start. That will her Lord and her Lord no, and Savior Brandon. There's, Brandon there's, Allen has made it. Happens. He has arrived. I think it's more likely they're just going to direct snap it to Joe Mixon every play. Uh, but let's get out of the NFL here. We need to jump to college football, which is the greatest sport of all time. I don't care what anybody says ever. College football is amazing, and I love it so much. Um, not much news, got to be honest. Uh, instead of news, we had games, which is so much better. I love games. <laughs> <laughs> Meaningful football was played. College football is great. Um Yes, so the 12-team playoff has been confirmed. We knew last episode that it was going to be voted on. This time we know for sure it has been unanimously approved in whatever that meeting was on Friday. Here's the thing, though. We don't really know when it's going to be start, uh, starting, though, for sure. No later than 2026. No earlier than 2024, I guess, technically. We have two more seasons of the playoffs, I think, as so- it is. Is it two or is it one? Because this year's playoff would be the 2023 playoff. Yeah, see, that's a big question, and I don't know the answer to that. So there's, that's there's kind of the not, point, is we don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's not a ton of detail in this. There's there's still very much more questions than answers. There's still not even the detail of, well, who would the 12 teams be? Do we have any, like, guaranteed seeds? Do we have like uh, conference champions making it for sure? We don't know that yet. So what I what I do know is that whoever voted on this, whatever committee that was, is urging the conference commissioners to get an answer, and they would prefer it sooner rather than later. Uh, which leads of me to believe the that the entire ES- college football world would prefer it sooner than later. Well, which leads me to believe that ESPN drops some extra dough on the table for for these games if they can get it to a twelve team. That's kind of how I see why this went down the way it did. I mean, it's all about money, so you're probably right. Other thing in the news, I guess, uh, Clemson, Georgia Tech's happening literally right now as we're all live on Twitch. It's attempting to happen. 
Clemson is up 14-0, and yet Clemson's offense looks awful. So neutral, neutral site, everybody. Neutral site in in Atlanta, Atlanta, where Georgia Tech is located. Right. No big deal. Um, but also, you have to realize there was a blocked punt that set Clemson up at the five yard line, and it took them four plays and two minutes to get in the end zone. That's this is not a good Clemson offense. They're averaging less than two Hilarious. yards a carry. Uh, and as far as I know, the most recent Georgia Tech drives have all been negative. So yeah. this is it's such it's so great. Love college football. <laughs> um, but we have plenty of actual games to review here, which man, it's been too long since we've been able to say that. So like we talked about last episode, we have ranked versus ranked matchups that we're going to talk about every single week. We also, each of us, are going to pick a game that we wanted to highlight separately. And then it's week one of college football, so we have a bunch of bonus games just because we want to talk about them. But that probably won't happen as much going forward because we'll have the NFL to talk about too. But let's go ahead and jump into the ranked versus ranked matchups, talk about them quickly here. Uh, Start off with the highest ranked matchup of the weekend, number five, Notre Dame, going into the horseshoe and dropping to the Ohio State University, 21 to 10. There were only, Notre Dame only put up 70-something yards of offense the entire second half and zero points. That was a big defensive stand by Ohio State, which that's the first time we've been able to say that in a very long time. In fairness, that was really the case all game. I mean, it it just seemed like we were waiting for Ohio State's offense to finally click and take off. And Jackson Smith and Duba going down didn't help with that. Uh, but it just seemed like they were stuck in neutral most of the game. When they finally got it clicking, it was like, okay, this is this is exactly what we all thought it would be. Didn't beat the spread, though, so Notre Dame's talking about how big of a victory that is for them, and it's – all right, guys. kind of sad. Moral victories are still losses. If we go to the next ranked matchup of the weekend uh, – oh, This one wasn't even a moral victory. Yeah, uh, this was a neutral site game. Again, a neutral site game in Atlanta, uh, Georgia versus Oregon. <laughs> um, very neutral side of them. Uh, yeah, Georgia won 49-3. to what shocked, yeah. me about, what shocked me about this game wasn't that Georgia's defense looked like it hasn't missed a step. What shocked me is their offense looked good. Yeah, so they that scored was a-, a touchdown on each of their first seven possessions and then just didn't, didn't try didn't anymore. Need to. Right. Need to. Sat everybody and just let it let the clock run out. And Oregon was very happy to get out of there with their lives still. Uh, so they accepted their fate 49 to 3. And I would expect Oregon to fall from number 11 to out of the top 25. Facts. Absolutely. Especially with how bad Bo Nix looks. Look, when I'm, all I'm saying is when you're throwing the ball and they have a cutscene of your offensive coordinator and you can clearly read the lips of him yelling into your headset, Bo, no, that's a bad day. And Bo Nix is now officially 0-4 against the University of Georgia. <laughs> he was trying to get away from him is what happened. And Chick-fil-A yep. came... Chick-fil-A came in and said, hold on a sec. I got one more for you. I want to take this last one. 
I'll take this last one, Doug, because I loved everything about this game. Part of the reason we did this is two of the games that we've won, well, the one we're going to talk about next and the one that we already talked about, Ohio State Notre Dame, those are going to be two games we're going to pick, and there are other games that we want to talk about as well uh, that we want to have as just our general picks of the week to watch. And uh, the game, of course, I'm talking about number 23, Cincinnati, going into Arkansas and losing 24 to 31, number 19, Arkansas, that is. Here's here's the biggest thing for me. I hate that Cincinnati's going to fall out of the top 25 because they absolutely don't deserve to after this performance. Equally, Arkansas probably deserves to be in the top 15 after this performance, and they will probably go up to 16. Maybe. That's that's a very, in my opinion, that's a very uh, high estimate for where they'll land. I think they probably need to be 14 or 15. What I saw from this game was two teams that never gave up. This was a hard-fought game, back and forth, all day. Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson, again, one of my favorite college football players right now. Heart and soul of that team. He was dealing with some cramping issues, some of these early season things. And you saw it from both teams. The biggest thing is Ben Bryant is not Desmond Ritter. And that really hindered the Cincinnati offense early in the game. And while they kept fighting back from being down multiple scores all day, Ultimately, his struggles early on are really what the difference was in this game. If he comes out the gate performing well and that offense is clicking from the start, we might be talking about a Cincinnati upset going into Fayetteville to start the season. That just wasn't the case, and this game was fantastic. Yeah, you could tell Cincinnati lost a lot of talent, but yet Luke Fickle has been coaching this team very well. Fundamentals are still – he still looks like a good team. But that's it for our ranked matchups. We each picked another game to watch. Let's start with Tug for this one. What was your game to watch? What did you see? Hold on. Before before we get into my game, I do want to give Ben a virtual high five here. Uh, he, he and I both picked very good games that ended in one-point differentials. Uh, yeah. It's not often that you see that, but that's what happened. Right. All right. So fantastic. I had – it is. Uh, I had Boston College uh, at Rutgers. I might have misread this when I made my prediction because if I knew this was at Rutgers, I thought it was at Boston College. Either way, Boston College lost to the Scarlet Knights, 22-21. to I knew it was going to be a very competitive game. I knew it wasn't going to be the most talented game that we had this weekend. But it was exactly what I expected it to be, a very hard-fought battle in and out all day. I had the faith. I gave the faith to the Eagles, but man, I, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. Greg Schiano and the Scarlet Knights have a toxic marriage where they both hate each other, but they're both better together. Like it's the only time any of the, either the program or he is good as a coach is when they, they are together. So. What was yeah. really crazy to me is that game winning for Rutgers was just a pure big 10 football drive. They just ran the ball for like 12 plays and scored. It was amazing. That's the first time Rutgers has ever done that in their history. So, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> they decided to actually be in the Big Ten. Uh, my game to watch was a blowout. So, I guess we'll do this in the middle, and then we'll get to another good one. Uh, so, I had Middle Tennessee State at James Madison, simply because I found the matchup to be interesting and we didn't know what to expect out of either team. So I didn't know this was going to be a good game. Uh, it turns out it wasn't. It wasn't. So, 
James Madison won 44 to 7. I did not expect this at all. But I will say, here's a couple of things I knew going in. Uh, Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders are switching to an air raid type system. Uh, they threw for like 120 yards on the game. That's not how you win in an air raid scheme. So that was going to be bad for them. Also, whenever you're switching schemes that drastically from a pro-style offense to an air raid system, that's a very different type of player you're going to be trying to bring in to run that scheme. Almost the same as switching from a triple option option to a pro-style offense. This is what Georgia Tech's trying to do, and that's why they're losing 14-3. to uh, Or triple it, option it, to anything else. Right. It, it's very difficult to do, at, at least quickly. MTSU being held to seven points is surprising to me, but at the same time, we knew James Madison was set up to succeed. They've been recruiting at an FBS level for a couple of years now, honestly, which is impressive in its own right. James Madison has also been a very big benefactor of the transfer portal. They bring in a transfer quarterback, Todd Centennial. Uh, Centio, there's no extra N in there. Centio, <laughs> uh, 21 to 33. 287 yards, six touchdowns, and zero interceptions. He was also the Duke's leading rusher, 110 yards on 14 carries. That is wild. That's the type of season I'm looking for out of Lamar Jackson this year. So <laughs> if James Madison can get that out of their quarterback, not only now do I think they're going to be in contention for a bowl game, they might be up there as one of the better teams in the Sun Belt in their first season in the FBS. This was a huge statement win in a game that I thought could have been very close. James Madison is awesome this year. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't pick them. I said I would if this if they were still FBS or FCS, I definitely would have picked them, and I regret not just going with it anyway. Um, welcome to the FBS. Right. Yeah, this is. This it is looked awesome. like James Madison was welcoming MTSU to the FBS. <laughs> right? Honestly, wow, this was a no. talent disparity in a very <sighs> different direction than everyone expected. <laughs> but now uh, we just had a targeting called on the field in the Georgia Tech game, and it was reversed. Uh, and we're going to a game that had a very clear targeting that is for some for some reason controversial among some people. I'm talking about FSU oh my versus God. LSU. I'm not going to talk about the targeting. It's just the best transition I had. Uh, I legitimately picked this game. Jesus, I, my throat is all messed up, guys. I'm sorry. Ah, all right. I legit picked this game. Cheering for college ball this weekend. Something like that. I picked this game because I saw that Mike Norvell said he would eat beignets on his radio show, coach's show, if they won. Well, they did it. Beignet season, whole, baby. A whole single point because special teams are indeed special. Now, Wait, sorry. Bill, this is, I don't think you have this in your notes. So this is a crazy point to make. The only assistant coach who came with Brian Kelly to LSU, special teams coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about how Brian Kelly was on a hot seat because he's the LSU head coach. The he fact that he. Yeah, the fact that he brought the special teams coordinator that led to two blocked field goals and two, two missed punts. 
two muff punts, and I believe two missed field goals. Uh, that's six plays on special teams that you fucked up, and they're lucky that for whatever reason, for a very for as good of a called game as Norvell had for FSU, deciding to run a pitch play on third and goal from the two yard line just makes absolutely no sense. I completely disagree with you on that. Pitch plays work all the time. The fact that they the running do. back fucked up his job is not the fault of Mike Norvell. That play works nine times out of ten. The running back should have caught the ball, and it would have been a touchdown. I agree. I don't want to throw a ball backwards that close to the goal line when you got okay. 17 people right there. Welcome to football. Every single coach in history has a pitch play in their goal line playbook. I mean, it's that's you have to be – that has to be one of your plays. You're not winning – up the middle of that defense. The middle of the defense was getting to your offensive line at that point in the game. So don't run it up the middle, right? You, yep. you run it to the outside. How's the fastest way to get it outside? Either you do a screen, which takes way too much time to develop on the goal line, or you pitch it. The pitch works 99% of the time. I saw Danny Cannell on Twitter saying, we pitch it all the time. Nobody ever complained. Like, we won here's, a lot of games with that. Here's where the issue lies. <laughs> Norvell's seat. If you pay, if you want to base anything off of fan reaction, take this for what it's worth. He's back in the good graces of about fifty percent of the fans. There's fifty percent still ready to get him because I, that fumble <laughs> happened at the two yard line with one forty one left in the game. I know. And let's face it, if LSU has decent special teams, I'm not even saying good. I'm saying decent special teams. This game's going to overtime. And we can be talking about an LSU win and an FSU right. one and one. Well, the and... craziest part is after that fumble, LSU <laughs> legitimately went on their best drive of the game, ninety-nine yeah. yards, scored a touchdown. Yeah. The only reason you don't go for two there in the first place is because they had that big review debacle that killed the momentum of the drive. If yep. they went ninety-nine yards with no stoppages from the refs, I would have said they should have gone for two, but that. The review held everything up. All right, let's go to overtime. We have all the momentum in the world. Florida State blocks the point after. Are you kidding me? So, and, and here's my oh, thing man. with here's my thing with Norvell's hot seat too, Ben. You brought up that fifty percent of the fans still want to go after him. That's good and all. We said that Norvell has issues winning big games. We also highlighted that Brian Kelly has issues winning big name games. Norvell's in the good graces of his of his administration right now. He absolutely – he won that game. Like, the yeah. team performed, and he, he came in with the right strategy to do it. Whether – I can nit, nitpick plays all night if you really wanted to. How many plays were good calls or bad calls for both teams? I get it. That one is one that's visible. But like Doug said, they're, um, LSU was beating them up the middle all night. you got to get that outside. Absolutely. Right. That's that's been the entire playbook all game, though. If you, we were watching that game last night, it was obvious to me what the strategy was for Florida State's offense. We need to get outside of this defensive line because they're more athletic than we are in the trenches. Yep. So it was a short passing game to the short side of the field, which means you want the play to develop extremely quickly, get the ball out of the hands quickly, get just past the defensive line, and then you have a chance. Which is crazy because you're talking about DBU, right? People talk about LSU that way. At the same time, 
that front seven was the most athletic front seven that Florida State has played in several years. I mean, the ACC doesn't have anything like that front seven. So you, you have two guys on that front seven, the two edges on opposite ends that are all Americans. Right. Right. I'll say the so, the best thing to come out of this is the entire SEC is against LSU at this moment because they are the only team to lose their week one matchup, and it's just absolutely beautiful. Granted, not everybody played, you know, the powerhouses like Mercer, Utah State this week, but, you know. <laughs> oh, man. I, I still want to talk about this Florida State thing, though, because Mike Norvell clearly had his guy for this game. Like, Florida State this played, great, their, this great played their asses game. off. Yeah. LSU looked like one of the worst coached teams I've ever seen. The special teams debacles were half of the problem. They were also getting called for dumb penalties. You saw how emotional the team was. That coaster of momentum was. And, that's, and let's, that's poor coaching. And here's here's the biggest thing. Like, targeting happens. Had Georgia Tech been called for targeting like we did when we first started talking about this game, that one, it was ultimately ruled not targeting. I could see it going either way. I don't have a huge problem with that. Besides the fact that the defender definitely ducked his head, that I do have an issue with, but that's a different discussion altogether. He was going in to assure that the runner goes to the ground. I mean, that as LSU, as, as nitpicky of a call as that is, though, that right. was as clear of a call for targeting as you could possibly have. That's the exact kind of thing the targeting rule was set up to avoid happening. I don't, in the future. I don't understand why. Was crown of the helmet. Hit the quarterback's helmet, right? That is that's targeting. He hit the, court, he hit the quarterback all. in the chin. He came up right. and went up, up into him. Like I he don't understand with the crown of his helmet. Like yeah, that I is, don't understand he, he why led, you're not. Right? Why are you not trying to wrap the quarterback up? Like that is right. insane to me. How right. that ever happened? So it, I, I think and, that right, and it absolutely was, has to go back to the coaching. And there was the dumb celebration that now the deep. Fedman for LSU is out for the season with a torn ACL on his celebration of a good yep. play that he had. I mean, Kayshawn Booty, an All-American receiver, we talked about him as potentially being one of the best receivers in the country. He straight up didn't care to be in this game, and you could tell. Like, it was obvious. He did not want to play in this game. And it's it's not true that he's in the transfer portal already, but he has deleted all mentions of LSU on his social medias. So we'll I just want it there. to be true that he called Coach Kelly a fake coach. Oh, that's <laughs> we, I want that to be true. We strongly considered doing a segment of how many times Tug got buried this week. <laughs> it's at least seven. He, he's gotten very McCockinered more than your average bear. Put it that way. <laughs> Normally, that would be a compliment. I don't not know on, when that would ever be a compliment. <laughs> oh, man. Let's move on um, to some honorable mentions. Okay. <laughs> Before we do that, actually, uh, we did make picks for all six of those games that we just talked about. Uh, the ranked matchups and our games to watch of the week. Um, so both of you are three and three. I'm six. No, life is good. 
We're going to keep score of this all season long. Uh, there is no prize, though. At least there wasn't last year. We'll have to think of something. There ought to be a prize for this. For, Somebody throw for some ideas well. out. I think this should be yeah. a punishment. Really. Honestly, that's better. <laughs> if you have any great punishments for having the worst record in our pickums each week, uh, let us know on Twitter. Anyway, uh, we do have some bonus games because college football is awesome and it was loaded with uh, fantastic games. So try to go in some some sort of chronological order all the way back to games that happened Thursday. Uh, Penn State-Purdue was happening as we recorded live last week. But we haven't talked about the final score yet. And that final drive was insane. Penn State at Purdue, 35-31. Penn State does hold on to win. Unreal. I have, I have feelings. I'm sorry. Sean I feel Clifford like... is such a mediocre quarterback. And yet, sometimes he pulls out these amazing four-quarter drives and puts Penn State up ahead. Doug, and... Doug you, were, you were just telling us, though. You were just telling us. Big Ten football. You're up. You're late in the game. What should a Big Ten team do? I know where you're going with this. And I'm not giving it to you. I know. I Sorry. I just understand you going with the game plan. Understand you have your way of closing out a game. I have questions on how Jeff Brom handled the clock management at the end of this game. Not because he misused his timeouts, but because he, he gave Penn State a chance. Everybody That's, has questions about the game management at the end of the game there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Jeff Brown is at Purdue and not at like a good school. Uh, next game we wanted to talk about here Virginia Tech at Old Dominion. Uh, this is shaping up to be a long term rivalry very soon. Old Dominion's won two in a row now against Virginia Tech, including this season 20 to 17. This is pretty amazing. Old Dominion wasn't a football team not that long ago. <laughs> Guess it wasn't all uh, Justin Fuente after all, huh? No, it's just all his recruits. This was actually a battle of the James Franklin coaching tree with Ricky Rain over at Old Dominion and Brent Pry coaching his first game at Virginia Tech. And, uh, yeah, the James Franklin coaching tree looks like ass. Next game up. (laughs) Next game up. Uh three-point game down in Bloomington, Illinois, 20 at Indiana, 23. Man, what a game-winning drive by Indiana. Illinois looked like they had this in the bag. Indiana couldn't move the ball, and then just out of nowhere, they they had 70 yards, like, all off the second half. That game-winning drive was 75 yards. And they just, they did it somehow. <laughs> That's their first conference win in at least a year, if not two. Uh, they went 0-9 in conference last season, yes. And they just won their first game. So, congrats, Indiana. Yay! And props to the fans that painted Indiana on their chest in tribute right. to the uh, fucked up jersey from a couple of years ago. That was beautiful. <laughs> Uh, then early in the day on Saturday, we had some fantastic matchups, specifically over in the state of North Carolina. Uh, NC State <sighs> wins by one point at East Carolina. This might have been my and favorite co- game of the day, honestly. College kicker moments, man. They'll get you every time. 
But then also, same sport, uh, North Carolina at Appalachian State, 63-61. App State puts up 40 points in the fourth quarter and loses. That looks like a basketball score. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal game. App State had gone for two early in the game and didn't get it. So then they were in a position where they had to go for it at the end. Yeah. Oh, man. So, actually, it wasn't early in the game. Uh, I think it was when they – Yep. Yeah, so they they scored – they went for a point in order to take the lead. Didn't get it. North Carolina returned the onside kick attempt for a touchdown which is the worst possible decision because it gave App State another chance. They went down, scored a touchdown, had to go for two this time, and couldn't get it. I want to talk about this onside kick real quick because not only did North Carolina return it, their return team absolutely obliterated everybody from App State on the hands team. I mean, you're right, but also why in the world would you return that? Drop right there. You're up by one point. Take yeah. a knee for the last forty seconds. You win because how often? Because how often do the guys on the hands teams get to score? Look, I know Ohio State had a dude score a touchdown, come down and blow a guy up on the next kickoff. But how many guys really right. get to, to score touchdowns? Uh, North Carolina lucks out with this one. Let's be real. Uh, yes. Sixty-three, yeah. sixty-one over App State. Uh, then we go down to Texas. Houston UTSA. What a freaking matchup. For some reason, Houston was ranked and UTSA wasn't. UTSA should have been ranked. This is wow. Uh, Talk about a group of five matchup. Just like group of five powerhouses this season. Uh, Houston does end up winning in triple overtime. 37-35. UTSA is a team to watch out for. Like they're, they're legit. It's yes. kind of heartbreaking that UTSA lost this. It was, everyone's... Was yeah. it was a shame somebody had to lose this game, honestly. I know. Like these, oh. This was really all three of the games we just talked about. It is an absolute shame that somebody had to lose. They were a joy to watch. Another overtime thriller Liberty at Southern Miss. Now a Conference USA versus Sunbelt matchup. Uh, this one goes to four overtimes. Liberty does end up beating Southern Miss 29-27. That means the last overtime, Liberty got the two-point conversion attempt, and Southern Miss did not. But, man, this was a tight game the entire way, and people are expecting Liberty to maintain some level of success even without Malik Willis. Hugh Freeze pulls it out in his first one. Just, wow, tight game out of nowhere. You want to talk about a ridiculously tight game for no reason? One that oh was my at God, one point five to three. <laughs> I love this game. One that I'm had reporters in Iowa City printing papers I dash W A because no one no, 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 found. <laughs> All right, so I actually watched this game from start to finish, and there's not much to highlight for Iowa's offense because it it legitimately does not exist. Um, Spencer Petrus has a QBR of 1.1. <laughs> I have a QBR of 1.1. Hold, right. hold on. 
hold on, hasn't somebody proven that like just throwing the ball into the dirt every play gets you like a thirty-two? That's NFL QBR. It's very different oh, calculations. That's, that's fair. That's but still. Um. So so, but here's the thing: their offense is trash. Their defense, I can't really leave a mark on because, well, they played an they FCS. Put up team. Two safeties against an FCF team or FCS team that was always set up inside their own 10 from their punter. This Iowa punter might be the guy to watch for on this team. Like, I hate to say that, but it's the honest to God's truth. <laughs> Punter Punters are real football players. Okay. I mean, that is still debatable, but yeah, Iowa's punt team. <laughs> On point. Them this game. Won them this game for sure. Seven to three, no touchdowns. It's the first time since at least 2000 that there's been exactly seven points scored in a game and it's not been a touchdown. Uh, And we say since at least 2000 because nobody really has that good of stats back that far at that point. (laughs) And we don't know for sure beyond then. It might have been a very long time. If I was a betting, I was going to say, if I was a betting man, Iowa probably would have been the last team to do it, though. We do know for sure that the last game to end 5-3 to three was Iowa lost that game. So, <laughs> Iowa's been involved in all these safety, weird safety games. Uh, <laughs> Who did they lose to? I don't remember, but I don't remember. Damn. Still. <laughs> Uh, then the last game we wanted to highlight here real quickly, uh, Utah, a top 10 ranked Utah team heading into the swamp down at Florida, and Florida pulls it off the upset 29-26 in Billy Napier's first game. Man, the Pac-12 could not have had a worse weekend. No, that's so true. <laughs> wow, though. I mean, this is looking really good for the swamp in our This bracket. was the last... This was a last-second INT as well. Like, that's... This is poetic. So many great moments this weekend. I can't wait for more college football. Unfortunately, <laughs> we have to wait until Friday to get more college football. Very sad. But we get NFL football on Thursday. Yeah, but, like, who cares? Because college football is <laughs> way better. Haven't you noticed from this weekend? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I don't have it in the notes, but UIW is doing just fine without Cameron. Oh, wow. Yes. They beat SIU 64-29. to I mean, I had SIU win in the Missouri Valley Conference. I have serious questions about whether it was SIU or UIW that caused this score to be this way. Right. What I can Me confidently too. say is wow. look out for UIW. Like, this is insane. The fact that they were able to put up 64 points – after losing the best player they probably had. I, I don't want to say in school history. I don't know the team that well, but definitely the best player they've had in a very long time. Look out for this team. Yeah, and speaking of the <laughs> award, Washington State did win, but it was against Idaho, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I did see he had a pretty decent stat line, but, you know, it's against Idaho. Um, so before we get out of the college uh, review we did pick out some players to watch this weekend, and it's only fair that we talk about them in some detail. Um, I know two of us had quarterbacks. 
But let's start with the defensive guy, uh, Tug. What do you so got? In, in individually, Samil Mondin Jr.'s stats don't look fantastic. But again, that Georgia defense was all over the field. Um, they had like two or three picks against Bo Nix. Uh, Samuel Mondin Jr. finished the game with three tackles and two, two of which were solo. So the stat line doesn't look great. But, Doug, we had talked about it, man. Really, it's just picking eeny, meeny, miny on somebody on the Georgia defense and seeing if they hold up, and, and they do. Um, right. You should have picked Jalen Carter, though, because yes. I literally saw a play where he <laughs> single-handedly handedly, uh, pancaked two offensive linemen. Which, <laughs> <Win. what? laughs> oh man, Georgia's defense is terrifying. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, better we'll luck next on a, time picking a picking a defensive guy. Um, yeah, better luck to me next time as well. One we'll on a slightly higher note than what I've got, I picked Graham Mertz. I don't know. Um, I don't know what's higher here. Here's the here's the thing though, Graham Mertz. You're saying didn't have a great game. I would say he was good enough, and if you look at like how Wisconsin scored in this game, they just handed the ball to Braylon Allen. That's what I was going to say. I should have gone running back here. I like the storyline yeah. around Graham Mertz better because they did win thirty-eight right. to nothing right. over Illinois State. Like, let's not let's not act like he hurt his team. Fourteen for sixteen, two nineteen, one touchdown, zero ints, fifty-three point two QBR. Not great numbers, but in the grand scheme of things, when one of the things I was talking about was let's see how he plays. Let's see if they're what the game plan is to keep him healthy. If he's only throwing it 16 times, he's surely not going to mess up his shoulder, right? right? I mean, I know that's not really something you, you would see hope. With quarterback, right. That's not really something you see with quarterbacks. It's more of like a baseball thing anyway. Uh, but it, it looks like they're doing a lot. And Wisconsin has always had an amazing run game anyway. Uh, Graham Mertz might just be able to slide into a little bit of a game manager role here this season, uh, at least until maybe they get some confidence in their new second-string quarterback because, as we talked about last week, uh, he's he's out for the season. Yeah, Wisconsin's definitely going to have to lean on their running game, which, what's new? Welcome to Wisconsin. Yeah, I was going to say, they've done that very well. <laughs> uh, my player to watch was Spencer Rattler the new quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks. And what I really wanted to see was if he comes out and plays to the potential that we all saw in him heading into last season, this would be a terrifying South Carolina team. Um, so he didn't do that. <laughs> he didn't do that. Um, Decent enough completion percentage, I guess. Only 227 yards, though. One touchdown, two interceptions. Now, QBR is a very different stat from the NFL to college. Like, NFL, isn't it? There's 158.3 one is max. Yeah, in college, it can go well beyond that. I've seen QBRs over 200. I don't know what this the model is for college. I don't QBR. think there is a max. I don't think there is a max for college QBR. I, you're, you're probably right, uh, which means a QBR for, for Spencer Rattler of 28.6 is uh, not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Again, for reference, in the NFL, if you take a ball and you throw it into the dirt every play, you have a base QBR of 32. 
So here's the thing, though. South Carolina did win by a fair amount of points. They won by three touchdowns. They're playing Georgia State. They were able to out-talent Georgia State. That's not going to happen once they get into conference games. What's more likely to happen is Spencer Rattler is going to throw even more interceptions. Um, this is kind of what I was looking forward to, though, is seeing this Georgia State defense. They were really great at creating takeaways last year. They did that again. They were really good at disrupting timing on offense. And the 3-4 has been a problem for South Carolina. So I was looking forward to that kind of a matchup. Yes, they won, but they did not look good. So I'm right back where I started with South Carolina and saying they're going to be on the edge of bowl eligibility this season once again. We'll see what happens. That's it for college. That's it for our game reviews, our player reviews. As far as non-NFL pro news, there's really nothing this week, uh, at least that I saw that was worth talking about. And I won't say we don't have bracket time. We just don't have it the normal way that we have had it in the past. No music, no fancy introductions. We're going to get straight into it here with the matchups that, as I speak, here's my phone, here comes the tweets, the polls are going live right now. So make sure to go on to Twitter, at BDP Football, and vote for your favorites in these matchups. Doug, take us away. Yeah, first up, we have Texas A&M versus the University of Southern California. This is Kyle Field versus the LA Coliseum. Uh, Wow, two titans here. Really down to the wire in this bracket. So we definitely need your help on Twitter. Uh, Next up, we do have the University of Tennessee up against the University of Arkansas. This is Neyland Stadium versus Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. We got to see both of these in action, and both of them looked jumping this weekend. Uh, Pretty undeniable, that atmosphere against Cincinnati. But also Tennessee playing a random, and they showed up too. It's pretty Pretty cool to see. Uh, Third matchup of the day, we do have the Horseshoe up against Clemson Memorial Stadium. Uh, Technically, they call themselves Death Valley, but there's another Death Valley. So, you know, I think everybody's kind of cool with it. Everybody's cool with it at this point. I don't know how that works. Look, they're all basically the same. They're both Tigers. They both play in Death Valley. Their school songs are both Tiger Rag. They sound very similar. Yeah, and they're both mid. Uh, <laughs> it's it's Ohio Stadium versus Clemson Memorial Stadium. Uh, and our last matchup of the day will be the other Death Valley up against the Swamp. <laughs> uh, LSU versus Florida in a very big SEC matchup. Now, here's the kicker for me in this matchup. I don't want this to necessarily affect the voting on Twitter, but also... Something to keep in mind. Uh, for their season opener, LSU decided, let's not play at Death Valley. Let's actually play at the Superdome. And Florida said, no, we want to bring Utah to the swamp and have them deal with this crowd. In in LSU's defense, there's a company that offered them a lot of money to play in New Orleans. Yeah, but... I'm just evening out the balance of the free money. talk. Everything's about money. I know, it's all terrible. Anyway, 
Uh, Death Valley versus Swamp. That's that's crazy. Good luck with this. We definitely need your help on Twitter. <laughs> uh, but those are our matchups this coming week. Make sure to go out and vote. And that's really all I have for this episode. So I'll hand it off to you guys. How do you want to wrap us up? Uh, how did I do this last year? Did I do sample facts early in the week? It's been so yes. long. Yep. Let's see. Oh, here we go. A jiffy is an actual time me- measurement equaling one one hundredth of a second. I did know that. And also, it is so impractical. When would you ever use that in real life? That way you can call people on their bullshit when they say, I'll be there in a jiffy. You're like, actually, you're already late. <laughs> I almost you're made literally that a late. joke a little bit. You're literally late after you finished the sentence. You yeah. stopped talking and you were already late. Before you even finish the word, you're late. <laughs> Before you complete the thought, you're late. Yeah. All right, guys. I'm going to read off the links for our audio listeners, and then I'll take us on out of here unless you guys have anything else to add. Oh, sir, it's all you. All right, sweet. Georgia Tech still looks like trash. DJ Uyunglele also just had a horrendous uh, intentional grounding. But, you know, this is where we're at. Oh, my gosh. Georgia Tech just ran the ball for positive yards. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. What a a wet fart to end such a great week of college football. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, can't all be great, I guess. I love it. I still love it. The links, as promised, are patreon.com slash BUT football, Instagram.com slash BUT underscore football, Twitter.com slash BUT football, Facebook.com slash BUT football, our website, BDT football.com. But please shoot us an email at mailbox at BDT football.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win in the trenches. Mm-hmm.